When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't take life too seriously because you'll never get out alive. It's very true. You know, you're never going to get out alive. So have some fun while you're here. I read that you were actually supposed to be in college and you moved to L.A. without your parents knowing. Is that true? I was supposed to be at uh, Kwantlen University in British Columbia, Canada. And I did go there for 45 minutes <laughs> and said no. And I left. I moved to Los Angeles to get into improv comedy. I just thought, I'm going to go do this thing and I'm gonna give it a year. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll go back to school, get a degree and go join the workforce. Did your parents find out when they saw you on TV or did you? No, it was about six weeks into my trip in Los Angeles and I called them and said, hey, I'm I'm in Los Angeles, I'm not in school. My father hung up on me. And then uh, my mom called me back and I sort of, she was always kind of the voice of reason. And then, you know, my father sort of came around. I eventually ran out of money, so I just, asked an agency to meet with me and and I called about 10 of them and then I finally got my foot in the door with one really small agency and I I bullshitted them. I just said, if you send me out on five auditions, I don't care what they are, what they're for, I promise you'll come back with one. And somehow I got the fourth one, I got a a sitcom, which was probably still the best job I've ever had because it was... um, the residuals? No, no, no. It had nothing to do with money. <laughs> okay. The best job I've ever had because it was a live audience. It was like kind of what I wanted to be doing anyway, which was improv comedy and that kind of stuff. It was a live audience that would pour in. And then, you know, the sitcom world is about a six or, or seven or eight month at most job a year. I mean, this is a, you, you know, you, you, you finish your season and then you're free. Mm. So I loved it because I would just go travel. I would go backpacking all over the world. And I would do all these sort of things. I, I think I really spent that money that I made wisely at the time. I got to see the world and have experiences. So everything that happened to me is sort of in aggregate kind of way. It was very sort of slow and, and steady. So I'm grateful for that kind of momentum being very, very sort of snail's pace uh, as opposed to like a rocket ship because I've watched so many people in this industry come and go in various tragic ways and that sort of thing. And fame is a weird animal to deal with, I think, for anybody. So, so you know, for me it happened so slowly that it's sort of like getting into a bath over the course of a year. You know, you're not going to get shocked by the water, be it cold or hot. Yeah, you're going right. to, you know, you're going to just immerse yourself in a way that's really, really slow. So 
most people aren't really offered that ability. Everything's all or nothing in Hollywood. It's uh, either you're the biggest star they've ever seen or you're done. Yeah. You know, I somehow <laughs> found that. I got lucky and found that weird sort of middle ground where I was able to kind of just slowly build, build my, my career. When you envisioned your life as an adult, was acting the thing that you wanted to do, or was there another career at five or six years old that you thought about? No, I mean, I always thought I'd end up as in law enforcement, like my family. So I, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't imagine that acting was a was a way to get out of the house. It wasn't really like a passion when I was a kid. It was something that I was I was already doing at home, you know, to to to, to survive. So right. you kind of, you know, I I noticed when I was a kid, making people laugh was a great self defense mechanism. It really helped me kind of navigate my way through my own home. It was a means to an end. It was just a way to get out of the house, and you know, I could act. I didn't necessarily want to. I just knew I could. Well, what was it like in high school, the fact that you were doing this acting? How did your peers perceive that? I hid it largely in high school. Then, then I never celebrated. It was always something I kind of really tried to keep as quiet as possible. For me, high school was a situation where I, if I, the more invisible I was, the more kind of happy I was. So I just wanted to get through that shit show and go live my life. And a lot of the stuff I did was... Uh, was shown in the United States, but not necessarily shown in Canada. So I could kind of get away with that. You're the youngest of four brothers, including a couple who became cops. My dad was a cop as well. Okay, so how did you stay alive as the youngest of four? Uh, you know, you get by on your wits. That's how you do it. You don't get by on your fists. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a rough household. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, sort of, I was less like the youngest brother, but more like a moving target. Okay. It was a lot of, a lot of that stuff. We're all super close now. Well, how did that experience prepare you for life? You kind of become hyper-perceptive. You know, you start to really sort of think about how you're going to survive. <laughs> so, so especially my three older brothers who are so sort of physical guys and, you know, there was just con rough housing. Like, for them, was always funny. For me, it was like a life-threatening situation. <laughs> so you sort, of, uh, you sort of learn to kind of get by on, on using your mind, not your fists. So... Uh, I became kind of hyper-perceptive as a kid. And I know that that contributed in, a, in, in enormous ways to um, the different paths I chose in life, you know, particularly show business and that sort of thing. I was able to kind of constantly mimic people or watch people and look for tiny signs and big signs of, you know, danger. It was tough. I was, yeah, I was a kid who had a lot of anxiety, a lot of different kind of phobias and issues that I had to had to sort of work through and, and it took me a long time to kind of recognize those things as assets as opposed to liabilities. I still struggle with those those same things. As challenging as they are and, and, and you know they, they're also gifts that come with those things, you know. And um, it's that same sort of situation where you become kind of incredibly perceptive in ways in which you, you otherwise wouldn't, you know, mm -hmm. you're all constantly kind of sensing you know, both real danger and non-existent danger. So you're, you know, that's, those are things that have really helped me in, in my work. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned about the business side of film and acting? Always just embrace this idea that you know nothing, because you don't. I mean, I, I, you know, as soon as you think you know exactly what, how it's all gonna go down or 
or what audiences are really yearning for, you know, they it it you can be surprised, you know. So um, I love that edict. I like that idea that I I believe in film and any endeavor to be a, a process of collaboration. I think you always have to listen and always ask for help. And the best leaders are, are, are the people that hire the best people. Um, so that's, for me, that's, that's the thing that I think, that that's the biggest lesson I've learned is like, you know, just hire the best people you can, uh, people that you connect with, people that you love, people that, you know, you can learn from. I get excited about stuff that's kind of, um, you know, Inventive. I love ingenuity. I love anything that sort of I think is is interesting. I'm not like a guy that sits around sort of rolling the dice, looking at the stock market and that kind of thing. I don't I don't know anything anything about that. I wouldn't characterize myself as an entrepreneur. I'm I would characterize myself as someone who um, has found a couple of different things in life that I believed in with every cell in my body, mm -hmm. and this is one of them. In thinking about your future, what's important to you? Uh, family, 100 percent. As anyone will know, it's almost frustratingly so for some of the people I work with is that I, I gotta make sure that my time with my family is prioritized over anything else. You did something really incredible a few years ago where you ran the New York Marathon to raise money for the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Research for Parkinson's. Why was that important for you to do that? My father had Parkinson's, he died a few years ago, but uh, you know, my father is very, very proud man. I mean, I think he said the word Parkinson's to me maybe twice in his uh, in the right. 25 years that he had the disease. So I think more people talk about it, the more I see guys like my father, who is a sort of the archetypal strong man, the guy who, you know, don't talk about your feelings, cram them down, and sort of robbed of his physicality, and he was strong, he's an ex-boxer or cop, you know. I think part of his identity was that he was a very strong man, so it forced him to kind of reassess all those things, which was in a way a good thing. But uh, in the end, you know, that loss of, of, of self and not quite knowing um, uh, where you stand in, in any given moment um, is pretty tough. So I wonder if some of those underlying ideas or reasons we do get sick or sicker is because we're not sort of expressing ourselves or letting things out.